I just saw things positively uh, with a lot of optimism. All this chatter that was there in my head, the yada, 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 should be, could be, wah, 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 it kind of dialed down to such a level that I was suddenly tapping into insight and intuition. Welcome to the Well Woman Show. Each episode is a transformational journey using mindfulness, feminism, leadership, and strategy to support you to thrive personally, generate wealth, and impact your community. And now, here's your host, feminist thought leader, London School of Economics grad, leadership consultant, and transformational coach, Giovanna Rossi. Hello, hello, Well Women. Welcome. If you are a returning listener, welcome back. And if you're new, then I want to give you a great big welcome to the Well Woman Show. We are here to support you through your journey, whether you're in burnout and trying to transition into more flow, or whether you're just in the middle of a big transition and need some tools and guidance, um, or you're a leader who needs some extra tools, confidence, energy, uh, we really cover all of this on the Well Woman Show uh, with the premise that, you know, you already have the knowledge and the wisdom in your body and within yourself. We just simply need to support you to uh, discover it, find it, reactivate it, remember it. So we hold a lot of knowledge and wisdom that we don't always access. And uh, the Well Woman Show is all about saying, you know, we as women have that knowledge and wisdom. We just need to really take the time and the space to, uh, to let that shine, to let it show, to speak up, to claim our space and our voice. And so um, on the show today, I'm so pleased to tell you that my guest is Rajshree Patel, a mind and meditation expert and an international self-awareness speaker. Over the last 30 years, she's taught hundreds of thousands of people in more than 35 countries. And on the show today, we talk about how to bring more awareness and intuition into your life. Those are two big pieces of our Well Woman framework. How getting clear inside can bring us success on the outside as well. And how our soft skills and who we are can influence our leadership ability. You can find all the information and links mentioned today at wellwomanlife.com slash 183 show. You can also continue the conversation with us in the Well Woman Life community group at wellwomanlife.com slash Facebook. The Well Woman Show is thankful for support from Natural Awakenings Magazine in New Mexico and High Desert Yoga. Now to my interview with Rajshree Patel. I'm speaking with Rajshree Patel today. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here with you. It's so good to have you. Rajshri, can we start by um, letting listeners know what are you working on and how does it impact women's lives and well-being? Well, currently I'm working on um, promoting my book, The Power of Vital Force. And a basic bottom line to it is energy. So not just women, but but anybody, you know. We have so much to do in our life, home, career, kids, family, health, so many different things go on. And we do all kinds of things to up-level our life, everything from whether it's self-help books, eating right, exercise, um, therapy, and so on. 
but we've never really boiled down to the basics, which is that if I could increase my innate life force, vital force, which is what I'm what I'm born with, then I would up-level everything. And it makes everything from emotions to cognitive functions that much easier and better. So right now, that's really what I'm working on. I'm traveling around, talking about my book, uh, giving lectures, you know, in, in companies, Facebook and Microsoft and so on and so forth. And today, I'm with you. Mm, okay. And Raj, how would you describe yourself today in the world? Like, who are you in the world today? <laughs> so I was, at one point, I guess I would have described myself as, you know, as someone from India, which I am. And then probably I would have tied it to my profession. And at the time, uh, until 1989, I was a prosecutor. But today, I'm someone who is really focused on human potential and wanting to contribute back to each person one at a time. You know, what is it that I could do to bring humanity to an internal journey rather than just focused on what we see, touch, and feel outside? Because mm. my real clear awareness is from the inside out. The more we connect with ourselves, the more we connect with others, the more success we have outside and also with the things we want to do. So absolutely, it's, it's all about that for me at the moment and has been for the last 35 years. Okay, that's so fascinating. And I want to dig into a few things that you said, because I, I so resonate with, with what you're saying, because what I do in the Well Woman Life community is really... Um, support those ideas that you just that you just articulated, you know, this idea that we have these this inner, uh, I call it superpowers or strengths, you know, but these these inner innate um, life forces that you just described. And uh, when we tap into that, we we can really um, be unstoppable in, in as far as our potential. And um, I so I want to talk more about that, but I also want to connect back to something that you said, which was you were a prosecutor. And now that was. that was not in your bio. And I think it should be because I think it's 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 an amazing transformation you've gone through, right? I mean, coming yes. from that career now to doing what you're doing is an amazing transformation in and of itself. So talk about how that happened. So I actually, my family um, lived in New York. We arrived in New York as refugee. Um, and then I graduated law school and I was transferred to Los Angeles working for the U.S. Attorney's Office of all things, you know, criminal law. And at the time, I loved what I did. I didn't think it could, I would do anything else. It was very people-oriented, engaging in the moment and so on and so forth. And because I had moved new to LA, I was looking for something to do. And I saw a small ad that said Pandit Ravi Shankar. I didn't really read the details or maybe I didn't even get it, but I just assumed it's the music um, sitarist that existed at the time. He's passed yeah. away since. Right. A very famous sitar mm -hmm. player, Ravi Shankar, thinking I'm going to a music concert. And it was just entertainment, maybe an opportunity to meet people, build a community and a tribe to a new, in a new city. And at, at the time, you're a you're a lawyer still. I was, I was, I was a, a full full on prosecutor working at the LADA's office, and you know, I wanted nothing more than okay. Well, I want to meet somebody and 
entertainment on a Friday evening or whatever day it was. And when I arrived at some point, I realized, oh my God, it's just the same name, but this is a spiritual master from India, nothing to do with sitar. Um, <laughs> okay. you know. And uh, I was curious. I think it's one of the biggest lessons I've learned in life is to remain open and remain curious, in which case, you know, sort of the world gets behind you to the degree that you're open. And so I was curious. I stayed and I did um, a nine-hour course, um, happiness program, and it changed how I perceived out of my eyes. It was like I put on a new set of lens, you mm-hmm. know, um, to look out. And I just saw things positively uh, with a lot of optimism. All this chatter that was there in my head, the yada, 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 should be, could be, wah, 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 it kind of dialed down to such a level that I was suddenly tapping into insight and intuition and and to your point, the superpowers, you know, the innate ability to care and connect and love and and to go for it, that sense of empowerment that we're all born with, but that gets covered. And I just started to notice so many concrete changes, um, including how I, as I said, how I perceived things. So I got a little greedy and went on to do, you know, the next phase of the program. And eventually, a year later... I said, all right, I'm going to look into this more. And it's now 35 years later. Mm. And I've traveled to, I don't know, more than 35, 40 countries around the world. I've set up maybe like 600 meditation centers and worked with hundreds and, and thousands of people, getting them connected back to themselves again. And when you were first, when you were at that first event where you thought it was a sitar player and it really wasn't, um, did did something about the message there resonate with you in terms of how you were brought up and your own cultural background, or was it completely new to you? So, in a actually, it's a great question. <clears throat> I went there, right? The left brain lawyer. I mean, mm-hmm. imagine you're you're trained as a prosecutor, you're working as a prosecutor, so everything is based on evidence and proof and in concrete experience. Um, And then if you're an immigrant, you know, you've come from India, you leave your home, uh, you start a new home here, and it's a very pragmatic culture. Mm. As much as people like to think, oh, you're from India, so you you must know meditation or you must (laughs) know about an inner journey, it's so quite the contrary because everyone emulates the West and everyone Mm. wants, you know, what we see on television in America. So, it was quite the opposite, actually. Mm. It wasn't, I had heard about it, but they were folk tales, you know, mm. idea of meditation was something like your grandparents maybe did, maybe. Uh, I certainly never saw anyone meditating. I never really saw anyone looking inward, although the values of a tribe and a sense of family was very strong in me, you know. So maybe in that, that subtle way, it was mm. resonating. But I actually discovered a world I had never imagined. I was used to what I see, touch, and feel. And I, like anybody else, I suppose, thought if I want more out of my life, I need to change things around me, whether that's people or situation or circumstance and and so on. And this notion that really I'm in charge 
of my life if I look inward, if I address something within me, this notion of an inner landscape to create more success outside, to be more vibrant, to be more alive, healthy and happy, you know, Mm -hmm. is what I mean by alive, Mm -hmm. hadn't really clicked in for me until after the course. It was a new idea to say, let me look at myself, not just what I see outside and not just other people and not just point a finger to someone else or some situation, but what is it that I could shift? Yes. And I imagine your your background as a prosecutor and having that left brain, you know, um, evidence and proof and pra- pragmatic approach has probably helped you in a lot of ways um, connect with those folks that may think this is all a little weird, all of, yeah. the, all of this inner stuff. <laughs> well, look, this is way back in 1989. Um, you have to remember at that time, the word yoga was juju, honestly. Yeah. Um, 89, you know, the only person who did anything around yoga was was Jane Fonda. I don't even know if, <laughs> right. if the listeners know her, of her, you know, but that was it. She had this little VHS, you know, video, and and that was more or less it. And if I said to people, well, I'm from India or I'm doing yoga, they thought it's like a bed of nails, you know, and sleeping on it and consorting into a pretzel or something. So it was a very new word, a new conversation. Mm. Meditation was so far away. And then to talk about life force as a field like we do in Star Wars today or, you know, the Matrix or a Kung Fu Panda. None of this existed. And so for me to have moved in that direction, number one, it was a very personal experience and transformation. And I was noticing it concretely. Like if it took me four hours to put a case together, I was getting it done in one hour. Instead of staying back Mm. till seven at night to work up my day's work for the next day, I would finish at three. So it was this very pragmatic result that made me say, let me look in. And then since then, doesn't matter where I go, who I talk to, whether it's, you know, Fortune 500 CEOs or students, they realize that I need to address my own mind, my own emotions, my own thoughts. That's the only way to really make a shift in what I produce, create, and the results outside. Um, and it's it has to be a pragmatic approach, you know. We're not really quite woo-woo is one thing, but you get up in the morning, you got to deal with real life and real scenarios and everything, as I said, from kids to health to career and more. Yeah, I think so coming from as many listeners know, my background is in policy and uh, politics and policy development and social justice. And, uh, you know, part of the reason I do the Well Woman show and do the work that I do in the Well Woman community is because I've seen the need for this inner work um, for our leaders, any leaders. And that goes for, you know, I mean, I think anyone is and can be a leader. And uh, without that work, we're we're seeing a lot of really, really bad leadership. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think um, I'm sure you'd agree if you're going to talk about policy or social justice or vibrant leadership, one of the things is 
when human consciousness isn't really looking inward, when they don't recognize life, when they don't see the bigger picture, then at least we can create policy so that people adhere to human rights and so on, right? right. But we know that those who are, in, in terms of their consciousness and, and their inner development, if they're really coming from a very narrowed, limited perspective, then they will violate those rules and those policies. And what I realize and, and do is the more we up-level humanity, who we are as human beings and how we're connected, the more people then honor policy and, and there's greater social justice. And, mm. and to your point, everybody's a leader. A parent is a leader at home. And even if, if we're colleagues at the office, we influence each other. And that is leadership. And yeah. You know, we know soft skills are the greatest, quote, asset for any leader. And soft skills is about what and who you are inside. It's not just a strategy move where you externally behave and play nice versus being nice, you know? Absolutely. I am speaking with Rajshree Patel and we'll be right back. I'm so thankful for support from Natural Awakenings Magazine in New Mexico, a monthly green healthy lifestyle publication. And for support from High Desert Yoga, promoting optimum physical health, clarity of mind, and spiritual inspiration for all. Many of you have followed my journey from consulting to women's leadership and empowerment, starting a nonprofit, raising two kids, and everything in between. I've really taken some time this year to focus in on where I can help the most women with their own desire to create social impact and also a good income for themselves and their families. As my consulting and coaching practice is growing, I found that one of my favorite things to do is the free discovery sessions. I love hearing about people's passions for the work they do, sharing what I do, and helping people understand what my hybrid consulting coaching is all about. Hint, hint, serious strategy plus spacious mindset. So if you find yourself worrying about whether you'll ever make it in the thing you're pursuing, or waking up in the middle of the night anxious about money, lacking energy you need to get everything done, or procrastinating on moving forward with projects and tasks, or even if you're in a leadership role, but you're second guessing yourself and not getting things done, I'd love to talk to you. These conversations help me get clear on how I can help more leaders create the impact and income they want so they can start living with ease and joy. Plus, you'll get a free hour with me to get crystal clear on what you want to create for your company or organization and your life and what's been holding you back. So if you're interested, you can book a call at wellwomanlife.com slash learn more. We're back with Rajshi Patel and we're headed into our segment called Superpowers for Success. And Raj, I want to ask you a few quick questions mm -hmm. that will help our listeners really um, uh, experience and use the the tools that you have and the advice and your your wisdom on life. And so the first question I want to ask you is, what does success in life mean for you? So for me, success is a smile on my face with a full bowl. In other words, 200% success. If you have all the comforts of life, you know, the home, the bank account, the car, um, whatever, name, fame, but you don't have peace or joy or happiness, then I would say you only have 50% success. The other way around is also true. If you're happy, you're joyful, but 
you don't have the outer, you know, success, the comforts and the things that one would want. That's also 50%. So for me, success means 200%, a happy, peaceful mind with all the outer comforts. Mm. Okay, I love that. And when did you know you were really good at what you do? You said you've been doing this for a few decades now, but when did that moment um, come to you when you, you, you knew that you were really good at it? I think that you know, you teach a program, you give a talk, and then at the end, or even while you're in the midst of it, you start to see transformation in people. You see a sense of, oh my God, on their face, you know, whether it's a revelation, a little bit about themselves, or a decision to say, I'm going to do this differently. And so for me, it probably wasn't a single moment, but over time, I started to see the impact I was having and how immediate the impact was. And I think that as a result, the what I taught and my confidence were co- somehow connected together. The results gave me more confidence and the more confident I was, the greater the results. You know, there's a, yeah. a symbiosis between the two. And I know for many people, well, it, it, you know, this sort of validation of knowing that you're making an impact and seeing it happen in front of you when you when you teach people or share your message is really powerful and there's also another thing i think that happens which is way quieter and and more internal um and that is that you know that moment or it's a several moments or over time when you just know in your own heart that that what you're doing is, you know, that you're on your path and that you're you're doing what you are meant to be doing. I think that's a great litmus test. One of the things I remember is, you know, doesn't matter what you're doing, it has its challenges, right? Um, and I remember that when I had the challenges as a lawyer, there would be this sort of resistance in entering and resolving the conflict or the challenges. Whereas a moment arrived, you know, slowly but surely, and it is a quiet voice, as you say, where challenges come, but it doesn't bog you down. It's not a a noise that says, why am I doing this? There's still the excitement of it. Okay, let's go. I'll solve it. So there was there was that enthusiasm that remains, um, which is internal, which is quiet, no matter what's happening outside around it. Mm. Um, So for me, that was a big test. Yes. And one thing I wanted to pick up on actually is when, because many of, of our listeners are in transition of some sort, big, you know, big transitions in, in their lives. And when you transitioned, and I know this was a few decades ago at this point, but when you transitioned from being a lawyer and having that identity to to your new role, what was what was that like? And was it difficult to to change identities like that? Um, I certainly had my, the, the conditioned response, you know, the assumptions and the limited beliefs that we all grow up with and, and sort of accept through osmosis because by the time we're eight or nine, we're hardwired with how we perceive ourselves and the world around us. So, uh, you know, that went on for some amount of time. But the difference was 
the road that was in front of me, the direction I wanted to go was loud and clear. And so perhaps the lesson that I've learned over the years, and even even now I'm in a transition, you know, I'm an author, though I hate writing between <laughs> you and me and all the listeners. I really I had such a block around writing. It's English is a third language for me. By the time I arrived into the U.S., mm. I went from eighth grade to sixth grade just because I didn't read or write or speak English. And my lowest grade throughout law school included was in comprehension and in reading for mm. some reason. So I had such a resistance to, to writing. Everything I've done is in front of people in real time. And then suddenly, you know, over the years, write a book, write a book. Okay, fine. I wrote one. So in a sense, I still feel like I'm just adapting and, and in a transition and moving to different layers of mm. my career. And what I have learned is uh, over the years, is when we are in transition, we often get ourselves into uh, a, a stuck position. We don't take action. We try to figure it all out in our head first. We don't risk the same way. We get, you know, a little bit stumped and a little bit more cautious than necessary. Due diligence is fine, but you will notice that the human mind during transition will lean towards what's not working mm -hmm. more than what is working. And so my rule became universe rewards action, not thinking. And so what I would remind um, all the listeners is that during transition, it doesn't matter what it is, keep in action, tiny actions, incremental actions, it doesn't matter. And action is not more research on Google or <laughs> right. another conversation with a person. You know, this is just loud thinking, right? It looks like we're in action, especially in today's world where technology and we're so hooked to it that we sometimes think research and another conversation and getting some input on Yelp or whatever is action, but it's not. After a certain point, and we all know what that point is, like I'm done. Now the only thing left to do is action. Mm -hmm. I just tell people, move, move, move. Just stick a sticky pad everywhere you can and tell yourself, take action. Because to go back to, to this idea of our inner landscape, when we move into action, our vibration, our energy, our sense of positivity naturally up levels, and then the universe gets behind us. Somehow we end up in the flow, mm -hmm. the right circumstances, the right people, the right opportunities align themselves in front of us. You know, there's so much to this topic of the flow. Yeah. And the flow is in action, not in thinking. Yes, I, I couldn't agree more. And so just for listeners, um, <clears throat> you know, I talk about the Well Woman Life framework a lot, and there are four stages. And one, one of those stages is action. But it's, it's not just any old action, right? It's in, in the thinking action, it's aligned action, like aligned with your intuition. So we, we go through, you know, awareness first, and then intuition, and then action. And then when you're taking aligned action, when it's aligned with your intuition and your awareness, then then you go into flow. And so mm -hmm. I love, mm -hmm. I love that. Um, Raj, can you describe a personal habit that contributes to your own well-being so you can do all these things that you do in the world? Uh, absolutely. Um, I think I'll pick up on what you were just saying earlier, <clears throat> which is that it's not 
any action. It's action that's aligned with insight and, and intuition. Now, we all have it, right? We have that little voice, sometimes very loud and sometimes soft, but intuition is our nature, this, this sort of the sixth sense, just like anything else, uh, our body, our thoughts. But what happens is, what I found, is a lot of extraneous thinking covers or dims the voice of intuition and yes. we don't know right. when am i into it and is it just extra noise and and we don't trust ourselves or the voice for that matter you know yes absolutely and, and that's when we go into wanting sort of validation and oh 100 people did it so i might and my friend thinks so or this expert thinks so therefore i might so what happened for me uh, and that's the daily tool that that you're referring to is when I went to that that nine hour program, I walked away with tools that directly reduced the mental chatter. I, I heard Deepak Chopra once say that women have somewhere around eighty eight zero thousand thoughts in about eight waking hours. Men have a little less, sixty thousand emotions create more thoughts. Now, 80,000 thoughts in and of themselves aren't a problem if they were useful, but most of them are reruns, <laughs> right. you know, it, it's just the same old thought. And then, unfortunately, at night, many of us sleep feeling like I wasn't sleeping, but I was thinking all night or I wake up more, you know, people wake up more tired than when they entered sleep. And that's because our frontal cortex, our thinking brain, which is nothing more than the same old thinking that we accumulated in the past, we're just applying it to a new object now, it's reruns. And so for me, my daily habit is five discerning pauses with my breath throughout the day. And every morning, I do a little bit longer because the breathing as an exercise, not focus, not concentration, as an exercise, reduces the number of extraneous thinking, mm -hmm. meaning it shuts off the sympathetic stress system. That's what generates a lot of unwanted thought, fear, flight, and freeze, into parasympathetic system, calm, peaceful response state, not reaction state. And our breath physiologically does that. And nobody's really ever taught us that here we are, a, a profound tool right under our nose, which has the ability to get us more into it and more insightful and more confident around our inner voice. Yes. Beautifully said. Okay. And um, what superpower did you discover you had only to realize it was there all the time? <laughs> my, I think my biggest superpower is the clarity and the risk to connect. I, it, there's a lot of talk on vulnerability. At the time when I was doing it, there wasn't any talk around it. But I realized the more real I am, the more I connect, the more I produce. And so being who I am, being real and connecting to what matters to me most in that moment and willing to expose it is the biggest superpower. And I, I, I would tie it to this idea of connection. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of talk about being real and being authentic. And but in order to in order to actually do that, you, you actually do have to connect inward. Because, mm -hmm. because otherwise, you're pulling from external and there and that's not 
real for you. Yeah, and also it it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have any teeth in it. Sort of, it, you kind of do it as a strategy, and so again and again, as a strategy, you're struggling to hold on to it. But when you own it, and when you really come from the inside, it's it's easy, it's natural. There isn't that extra noise that says, "Should I? Could I? How would I? You know, why would I?" All of that that self-talk that goes on. Yeah. Raj, what advice would you give your 25 or 30-year-old self? Uh, <laughs> I think that I would say it's, if I could have, I would have learned to have uh, meditated and looked inward even earlier. So one of the biggest advice, maybe I still give to this 57-year-old, you know, that I would have given to the 25-year-old is you risk, you know, don't, Uh, redefine the word failure, redefine the word mistake, because they actually teach you Mm. what to do better. And as a 25-year-old, I had it in me to really get it right, you know, and perfect it and not make the mistake. And so that would mean I would think, 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 and and pause because I didn't want to risk. And today, I redefine mistake and the word failure to mean, wow, a lesson learned versus, Mm. wow, I failed at it, you know? Yeah. And Raj, do you identify as a feminist? I think that I identify clearly from the perspective of, I don't want to label it as a feminist, from the perspective that as a woman, what I bring to the table is important, it's unique, it's significant, and it's only done because I'm a woman. Mm. You know, Mm -hmm. and it has far more value than the world gives it credit. If you want to be a leader, if you want to be a good parent, if you want to be a a good human being, a good citizen who makes a difference out there in the world, I think as women, the force of being able to love and care and connect is so powerful. And for whatever reason, that's not to say men don't have that, just the fact that we nurture innately gives us an innate advantage. And and I'm very proud of that superpower or that gift as a woman. Okay, last couple of questions. What are you reading Mm -hmm. right now? What's on your nightstand? You know what? What's always on my nightstand is the book, The Little Prince. Mm. I probably read it a hundred times, but it's something that I flip to every so often. It is one of the deepest, most wisest books. So simple, such an easy read, but every sentence is quite profound. So mm. that for me is a, is a huge book and I recommend it to any adult. Okay, that'll go on our Well Woman book list. <laughs> um, last question, what makes a good leader, Raj? Uh, the fact that they can create followers. And what I mean by that is inspired leadership. You know, somebody who is willing to do anything that they would ask of their followers. That, to me, is a good leader. Soft skills. It is really a a trite as it is. We are willing to walk through walls when we're inspired. And what inspires us is love, care, and connection. We're willing to just do our job and then some if we're just motivated, you know, through whatever, a bigger office or or some incentive. But, I don't think that's really leadership. It's required, but not complete. I want to ask you about that because the way you've described leadership could be applied to um, leaders that we have right now that are really... Um, 
not doing a great job with human rights and um, caring for people. So um, one one leader in particular I can think of, he has a lot of followers. He happens to be our president right now. Uh, but I don't think that he is nurturing or connecting. Uh, well, he I, he must be connecting on some level with all these people that are following him. But how would you how would you talk about that? I think I, I mean I agree with you a hundred percent. I think one of the challenge is, you know, if we look at this leadership, we also have to look at prior leaderships. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It, it, it's history. Um, if we look at like War and Peace, Tolstoy, he speaks about history from the perspective of patience and time. And so you have to reflect back. And I think that one of our leaders, what he's really connected to is the gap we haven't really been taking care of a lot of people out there and their needs. And he, unfortunately, through rhetoric and a lot of power, promises that he's going to connect to the need of humanity. Mm. It's it's rhetoric, but in, a, in essence, he is connected to the need of a voice that hasn't been heard, you know, by a lot, a lot of people. And he somehow managed through, as I said, by a lot of promises and a lot of um, external power as well, meaning social media and so on and so forth, even, even mainstream media giving him a lot of voice. It gave these people the sense that we are being heard. And so to that sense, it still sticks to what I originally said. If we connect to what people need and a leader connects to that, then we see that we're being a good leader. Unfortunately, that leader is not necessarily delivering on anything and he's actually exploiting that connection. Mm. That that actually is is the sort of the downside of all this. He has connected to the voice of the people, and those people do need to be heard. And if we had a leader who was not being exploitive, but really concerned, then we would move a lot, not just for those voices, but the rest of the people in the economy and in our country. Yes, on that note, can you leave us with a, actually not on that note, can you take us to a positive note (laughs) so that we can end the program with what can people do (laughs) Um, and, you know, in order to feel like they are making a difference and and change the things that they want to change? Yeah, so I I think, you know, my motto has been, uh, maybe it's a long-term process, but one person at a time. One of the biggest problems in our world today is isolation, disengagement, loneliness, disconnectedness, depression. And all of those things come because of what's happening in the human psyche, in our inner world. And more and more today, if we take care of ourselves, if we look inward, you know, um, we connect to ourselves. We go into a state of quiet and meditation. We up-level our energy. We impact 10 people positively around us. A father makes a home happy if he's happy or miserable if he's unhappy. A leader in a company makes mm-hmm. everybody's job miserable if he's unhappy and, and so on. Or he elevates the company and the people in it if he's a happy, thriving person. And the key to that for me is... We have to spend a little bit of time looking inward so that we excel externally outward. 
Yes. Okay, that's a great note to end on. Rajshri Patel, I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you. And we will link, link to your new book and to uh, to you so people can connect with you on our show notes at wellwomanlife.com slash podcast. Absolutely. People can go to thepowerofvitalforce.com and, and connect there. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. That's it for our show today. Remember, if you need support to live your well woman life, head over to wellwomanlife.com slash Facebook to join our community. As a reminder, we are on NPR every week. So be sure to tune in at npr.org slash podcasts and search for The Well Woman Show. If you enjoyed today's show, please take a moment and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a review. This helps raise visibility, which is super helpful when it comes to producing the show every week. For feedback, comments, or just to let me know you were listening, find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Well Woman Life. I'm Giovanna Rossi for The Well Woman Show. Until next time, have a super powerful week.